What's up, everybody? We're back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast with a special guest, Joey, from the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast. We get into all things Bitcoin, uh, including the inflation numbers that came out today, the day of the recording, uh, at 7.9% uh, CPI number and everything like that. Uh, but just as a friendly reminder, everything said by me and the guests of this podcast are strictly opinions and should not be taken as financial advice. Uh, anything you do here uh, in this podcast is strictly the opinions of the host and the guest uh, and should not be taken as financial advice. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And now we're getting into the rip with me, Brandon, from the Green Candle uh, podcast or the Green Candle Investments Twitter account, podcast, State of Bitcoin podcast, what have you, and Joey from the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast. Now, we're into the show. Whoosh. All right, we are live with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. As you can see here, it's me, and then I got a special guest, Joey, host of the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast, I guess co-host technically, um, and... Uh, yeah, so obviously Dan isn't here with me anymore, so uh, it's a one-man show, but I'm going to bring in more guests and still crank out the content for everybody. Um, so Joey, how you doing? Uh, how's your Thursday night treating you? You cracking open a beer over there? I'm not cracking open any beers. Um, my Thursday night's been good. I haven't done much. My wife is uh, at her ceramics pottery class, whatever she does with her girlfriends there, so you know, I'm happy to be here, man. I, I'm glad that uh, at least someone is committed to the success of Green Candle, although I wish it wasn't just you and me. There, there was a third guy who was committed. And uh, like, you, like you said, he's committed no longer. So Sad but true. <laughs> you know, uh, well, you are the first guest. On, no, no, I guess second guest. We had Cedric Youngman. Oh, so, yeah, so you fucking are, said beat me to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you're the second guest, I guess, first um, solo guest with just me. So uh, I don't know what you got to take for that. But, uh, you know, that that's that's good for something in my book, at least. I think so. I think so. I'm ready. I'm ready to perform here. All right, let's do it. All right, Joey. So tell us a little bit about yourself in the Bitcoin space. Um, you know, obviously, me and you connected through Twitter and uh your Canadian Bitcoiners podcast. Obviously, I, th I think it's one of the more, more underrated podcasts out there. So if, if anybody hasn't checked it out yet, please do. They got a big deep dive on a bunch of mining, uh, you know, mining CEOs and everything like that. So great content there. But how did you get into Bitcoin um, up there in Canada where nothing's going on? And uh, yeah, so to dive right in. There, it was uh, me and Len who worked together at the same um building this was like five years ago now i guess 2017 and i was talking with another friend of mine about bitcoin over the probably year leading up to that run to 20k we didn't buy any we didn't know anything about like how to get it whatever and so i ended up uh seeing a tweet in my timeline from a guy who was friends with uh, a girl i dated years prior nice guy and I, he was tweeting about Bitcoin. So I DM'd him. I, I was like, dude, what do you used to buy? And he's telling me about Coinbase. So I'm like, all right, like I'll, I'll get Coinbase, I guess. We get the app. We start buying. We could only buy at the time. You, this, you're going to shit when you hear this. We could only buy 50 bucks a week if we, if we had a Coinbase account. Yeah. And so, you know, we we're trying to buy like that 50 bucks, trying to max out. And it, like you can't get, you can't get a good stack going on 50 bucks a week. 
So we're, we're doing this or whatever. And then after a month or a month and a half, you, it was up to like a hundred bucks a week. And then as you like built trust or whatever, it would just keep going up. The problem is that when we were, were like doing these buys or whatever, the price was running the 20 K it was like late 2017. We were hype. And when the price started to drop, you know, like a day after that, maybe you're not even a day after that. We couldn't sell. Coinbase wouldn't let Canadians sell. So we had to hang on to all the, co- the Bitcoin we had, right? And so whatever, we did that. And we stuck it out through the 2017 bear market, Len and I and our buddy at work and a few other people we knew. And, you know, I was trying to get these guys probably starting in 2019 to start a podcast about it because I'd done some other podcasts and I, I realized like how easy it is to do content, especially audio. And uh, I was, you know, busting chops at work, busting chops with my buddies and no one wanted to do it. And then Len was finally like, if you want to do it and you don't mind me as a co-host, like I'll do it. I said, for sure, let's do it. A couple of days later, he was at my house and uh, off you go, man. That's the, that's the Bitcoin, Canadian Bitcoiners podcast story, the Bitcoin story. And uh, I mean, you guys are, well, you guys, you're probably in the same boat. You started around the same time as me or maybe a year or two later. You got to feel like, it's just getting started. Bitcoin, the content, you got to feel like it's all, you know, it's all great stuff looking forward. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Well, I mean, I kind of have a similar story to you, but, uh, you know, I just, uh, I was, you know, hearing about Bitcoin. I heard about the run up and everything like that. I was in grad school with like no money basically. Uh, so I was driving Uber and the place I bought it on was Robinhood. So, I mean, I was a little worse than, uh, than you, <laughs> at least you were on Coinbase where you could pull it off. Like me, I was on Robinhood. And uh, I bought Bitcoin and Dogecoin. So oh, fuck. If man. I would have held on to that Dogecoin. Is it too late to back out of this or no? <laughs> I got to stick around? I had oh, no man. idea about anything. And then that's when I started to take the dive into uh, the podcast and everything. So I heard uh, Preston's podcast and he had one with Plan B and um, Safedine, who you guys had on recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just opened my eyes to everything. So I sold my Dogecoin then and uh, just went all in on Bitcoin. So um yeah, I mean, it's been quite the journey. Side, side story: Where is Plan B now? He's like, he's gone. He's completely evaporated from the space. Is he really? I, I don't yeah, know. I he, obviously, a... that model is broken now. So, what's that guy doing? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen him on Twitter in quite a bit. But I remember, like, I remember hearing interviews from him, and he basically said, like, you know, if we get into like somewhat of a bear market, he's going to basically go like dark because everybody's going to be coming at his neck. And uh, I actually just looked at his Twitter. He's still tweeting, mostly retweets. But uh, yeah, actually, like all retweets. Oh, no, he tweeted out um, a chart here or there. But I don't know. I mean, chart. Yeah, his. uh, Yeah, his model is like definitely, you know, I mean, it's got like a lower floor. I I don't know. His like error bars are like 50K. So, I mean, (laughs) you know, I. I don't know. I mean, he was right dead on for a little bit, so credit to him for that. But, I mean, I think uh, as we get farther along and more adoption occurs, there's less and less like on-chain is going to be uh, no, accurate. And, and is he not talking really about, you know, he's talking a lot about havings and stuff in his model. And I just think like, it, listen, I'm not like an, a big, you know, efficient market or not efficient market hypothesis guy. I'm just saying if everyone knows something's going to happen, then it doesn't happen. Like that's just, that's just the way nature works. Like is this guy, he must know that. And I suspect that he's going to, uh, he's going to go dark after, you know, not too much longer. So. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if like in the next year or so, uh, you know, he's dark and who knows? I don't know. I mean, he started like a firm and everything too. So if some people start finding out like, you know, who he is, he might have to dox himself. I, 
I don't know. I mean, that, that, yeah, not worth it. All right, well, let's get into it. Let's get into some of these stories. I mean, we had today the United States, the Fed, uh, released their CPI report of 7.9% uh, inflation year over year for the month of February. So that's a 40-year high, and it did not include items such as meat, fish, <laughs> eggs, gas, electricity, and even including or even including uh, eating at home. Uh, so a lot of crazy stuff here. And then we also had the White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, a uh, great lady, come in front of everybody and uh, in front of cameras and say that the inflationary pressures have gone down month to month. Um, even though last month, wasn't it like 7% and now it's 7.9? Uh, but, uh, you know, the math doesn't really check out here. I'm not a math guy or anything like that, but... I don't know. So tell me, how are you feeling about, um, I guess, like overall Bitcoin and overall like, you know, inflation? Because generally people kind of view Bitcoin as like an inflation hedge and whatnot. I don't know. I feel like the case for Bitcoin is stronger now than ever. But uh, what are your thoughts on this CPI print? I think you're 100% right. I think that uh, I think a couple of things about this. So you, you were good enough to send me the uh, CPI line by line here. Len is in the chat asking us to do a breakdown. We don't have that kind of time. And uh, I'm not interested in talking about these these fudge numbers uh, line by line. But the, the, the interesting thing about CPI, and I think that we talk about this on our show, too, and you guys have talked about it. We've talked about it many times in our group chat. The, everyone's starting to realize this stuff is bullshit, right? That's the, that's the problem that these guys are having now. So, you know, we, we can talk about how maybe it wasn't so egregiously fudge like 20, 30, 40 years ago, like in the eighties, but like, what do you, like, do you really think it wasn't, am I alone? And you know what I mean? It was, the problem is there was no Twitter and no memes. Right. And so now I think personally, uh, there was a missed opportunity the last couple of days with the CPI thing, because I think that every time the CPI print comes out now, we should tweet pictures of like uh, whatever the female statesman emoji is. And then the two fists side by side for Pelosi like this at the, because uh, I, I think, I think that's basically the only people who are excited about these numbers. I think they're legit. I would also note that the white house is in the middle of a war, like war posture with Ukraine and Russia and all this stuff going on in Europe. And still our favorite press secretary has time to film these well-edited Hollywood quality videos about like what, what inflation is, why gas prices are higher. Does she think no one knows this? And then Biden today, like the Biden Twitter account, whatever the, the Marion, the marionette uh, handler there is uh, he's got the fucking sticks on top of him. He's tweeting out, Oh, the, the war is what's causing the gas prices to be the numbers are pre-invasion, man. Next month is gonna is when you're gonna see the numbers for the invasion. So when these guys are talking about this stuff, it's the 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 core of the problem is the same thing. Either they are stupid or they are lying, and I I think it's the second one. And worse, you know the the target audience for that is really the average voter. What does that tell you about what the average voter knows and thinks? It doesn't say much for them, does it? And I, I look at like the feedback in the comments to the Biden tweets and the Saki tweets, and it's all it's all like. Oh, you guys are just, it's just golf claps and emojis and like, guys, gas is going to be 10 bucks a gallon over there inside of two months. And they're going to blame it on Putin. I'm not saying it has nothing to do with the Russian uh, war. Of course it does. But it's a straw that broke the camel's back. You know, these guys are at the same time when inflation is running hot. 
talking about, you know, what's that omnibus bill that they just, they just passed or, or made it through 2,700 pages. Who read that? No one read that. You can't tell me that these guys are so engaged. Like they're like the, the, the Adderall consumption on the Hill is so out of control that these geriatrics have time to decide what the next move is in a, a hot war in Europe with a nuclear power on the continent and also read a 2,700 page, you know, something, something trillion dollar. It's, it's so obviously bullshit. And this, like these numbers really, like they tell the whole story and you don't, you didn't even mention owner's equivalent rent, which is the biggest travesty in all this stuff. Not only does that number not include housing and food that actually is like good for you, but owner's equivalent rent is, is a bullshit metric. It's what people who don't own homes think that homes are worth, you know, and they get that number from people who do own homes talking about what they would rent it for. Why don't you just use the price of the homes? The price of the homes is available. The reason they don't use it is because it's a ridiculous farce and, and, and they know that what they're doing is dishonest, but that's how you get to where you are now. That's how you get to, you know, Biden, uh, his state of the union there claps every 20 seconds for stuff that has no real meaning. And now these numbers and gas prices, home prices, student loans on hold. I can go on and on. Um, it's just, it's messy, man. And it's not going to get any better anytime soon. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think you're, you're nailing it right on the head there. Um, you know, I mean, down here in Tampa, I've had, uh, you know, gas prices go up by 37 cents in one day. And that's just, you know, astronomical when you got like 14, 15 gallon tanks, uh, you know, people driving pickup trucks or something like that, you know, obviously that, yeah, that cuts in the cost of food that cuts in the cost of everything. And then I'm even seeing like local businesses around here say, you know, have signs back uh, behind them, you know, you go up to the register, like, hey, sorry, uh, our menu prices are increasing uh, because of inflation due to COVID-19. So they're not even realizing that like, it's, it's all this stuff and people are kind of eating it up. And it's like, how are you not going to wake up when exactly what you said? It's the month of February. There was no invasion. And you're blaming this war where, you know, it's going on right now. And it's it wasn't going on during the month of February. There's not so much you can really- say, man. I know it's just like you know it's a people just believing everything they they hear and see and you know soon enough I think people are going to start waking up I also think too like you know when you look at these comments on Twitter and everything like that like how how true are they like you know because I, I feel like everybody that I talk to like you guys and uh you know we got that group chat with uh you know Gandalf and everybody who does the Friday spaces with us I feel like it's it's not like necessarily an echo chamber where we're all saying the same things. We all see some crazy shit on Twitter, but at the same time, it's like majority of people that I see and that I follow feel the same way. And they're they're going <laughs> off on these people. And uh, then you go down and you scroll down and it's like just all positive replies. Like, it's are they yeah, are they like muting or blocking like the tough replies and just you know showing all the positives i don't really know i mean i I, we could get down the weeds of the conspiracy theory and everything like that too but uh you know another big part of it too is like a policy change we went from the united states being uh more dependent on itself uh under the last regime and then you know now becoming more dependent on foreign policy and, and everything else and you know you're seeing the effects of that and then they're gonna blame putin and russia like you know, the United States got to look in the mirror at some point in time. Um, but you're right, too. It's it's not only that, the foreign policy and and the money printing. I, I mean, inflation was bad before this. Gas was going up before this. It was, you know, pushing on three dollars a gallon before. 
And now it's going to be pushing on $4 a gallon where I'm at. And, you know, I've seen places where it's like, I am legend uh, type, of, <laughs> type of things at like six fifty. So luckily I don't live anywhere like that, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's getting wild out there and I don't really see it slowing down. And, you know, I, I think we're both here because we believe the set amount of Bitcoin is, is the solution or, you know, at least, uh, a solution better than we have right now because you know the way we're going everything's getting more and more expensive and uh the rich are getting richer the poor are getting poorer you know my house i luckily i i bought one at the at early on during this uh pandemic but it's it's gone up like i i wouldn't be able to afford the house i bought a year and a half ago right now just because of how much it's gone up and it's it's insane um so do you think I, they're gonna raise next week I don't think so. I mean, I they already can't, think right? That, like what? Like no. what? Is, it's gonna, It's got to be twenty five basis points if they do it. But h- how can you, you know, with all this other stuff going on, how can you say that you're gonna you're gonna raise into this insane like economic down? Like that, it's a war downturn. It's a wartime downturn. And Bloomberg has that piece out today. Like it, whatever, it's in the opinion section. But you know, I don't I don't know what news qualifies as fact and opinion anymore on these uh, these exactly. these mediums. Yeah. And so like they got an opinion piece out there and it's like, well, the the Fed's job has never been more difficult, but also never been as straightforward. Do not raise like what? What? What do you mean? And then on top of that, like, OK, so to the Bitcoin thing, you know, I look at like Amazon t- yesterday and today uh, and the, you know, to, again, like to the point of to the point that we made earlier about sort of this like voter, this average American voter or Canadian voter, whoever uh the you know there's a tech sell off right now a pretty broad tech sell off amazon's down from like a high of 3500 down to like 27 and change yesterday and then they announce that uh they're doing a 20 to 1 split and 20 to 1 splits it doesn't mean anything okay i don't know why 20 like why does a stock split mean anything to the stock it doesn't mean anything to the value of the company it doesn't mean anything all it means is they're lowering the share price and giving you you know presumably down the road hopefully a little bit more in your pocket, but the the price of Amazon jumped like six percent today on that news. I don't want to be invested in stuff where I'm at the mercy of people who are pulling these levers with like these shell games about company valuations and and and, and like issued equity, it, deciding whether or not I can buy a house, retire at a certain time, whatever. Um, and then on top of that, the Bitcoin thing, like man. You, you and me are a little, like, we're a little apart in age, but we're the same demo. How, if you were 21 right now, how would you be acting? Like, I, I was saying this to Len a little while ago, or maybe to my dad, I forget. But, like, we're, we're talking about how when I was 21, I was into a lot of stupid shit, okay? I was partying way too much. I probably spent all my time either drinking or working out for, like, three years, okay? And even at that time, I realized that I had to save some money because at some point I can't just drink and work out. I got to, like, settle down. Because I knew that if I did the right things for a few years, I'd be able to get a house, get a job, all this stuff that would make sense for me and I could live. But if you're 20 now, do you think you can do any of that stuff? No chance. I mean, so, like, what, that's, so what are you going to do for five years then, Brandon? You're going to at 20 years old. Are you just going to get lit for till you're 30 and then like sit on the couch and doom scroll and watch Wojak movies on YouTube? Like that's your life. It's going to change people's behavior and it's, it's not quite there yet, but it's fucking close, man. Dogecoin and the speculative shit coins and, and like GameStop. That's just the beginning of this like behavioral trend. It's going to get worse. 
Well, it's because people got to find a get rich quick scheme, right? Because like if they don't, the the 20% or whatever you're getting back from the S&P 500 just doesn't cut it. Because like, I mean, like housing's going up by more than 20% in desirable places to live. So either you're going to have somebody like, okay, I'm going to save now and then I'm going to buy a house like 45 minutes to an hour outside of a city in the way out burbs where I don't want to live. And that's where I'm going to, you know, raise my wife and kid or, you know, have my wife <laughs> raise my wife out here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, and then like they're just going to have a bunch of roommates. Like I have uh, friends here in Tampa that rent has gone up by. 400 to 600 dollars a month to where a place i used to live and uh i mean i was like a one-bedroom apartment like it's not even downtown it's in like a desirable place to live you can walk a lot of places but it's not downtown and and it's tampa it's not like it's miami new york uh chicago you know all these other bigger cities and uh it's it's crazy. They're all having to move in with each other and get roommates and you know move farther outside the city <laughs> and everything like that already right now. And uh, you know they're just thinking like, okay, I'm not going to buy a house. Like it's just not obtainable, and that's their mindset right now. So do what are think, they going to do? Do you like, think there's going to be like a? Is there going to be like a, a a reckoning of all these Bitcoiners who are like LARPing as homesteaders, pretending they're going to move out to like 40 acre farms. Like you guys don't know how to fucking run a 40 acre farm. You can't just take pictures by a stream and tell people you're homesteading. That ain't homesteading, man. Eventually it's going to get cold. There's going to be a storm or something. Your wife's going to get tired of fucking knitting or whatever the fuck you do in the middle of nowhere. All this stuff, all this stuff matters. And people like there's a reason that communities form in suburbs, right? It's where the amenities are. It's where schools are. It's where it's where people find value day to day. And I'm not saying that there's not some element of fiat there. Of course there is. Like I don't need to live near a movie theater in a mall, but living near like a good school with a bunch of other people who are sim- of similar mind is a good idea. There's value in that. You know, there's going to be this like this like switch flipped. I think in the next five years or three years, where all these guys who made a bunch of money on Bitcoin from 2017 are like realizing, oh yeah, I, it turns out that the Amish actually have practice at doing this and I don't. Or it turns out that like the YouTube video that instructs you on how to like kill and strip a pig of eat, like edible pork isn't that easy to follow because I drove out here in a Tesla and I went to an Ivy League school. Like it's not the same, man. And so they, they, these all these things are going to be, it's all going to come home to roost at some point. I don't know when. But that's why I'm not moving out to a farm anytime soon. Like I'll pass, man. I don't. You're not going to liver king it. Just give me like a couple of acres where like my dog can run around. But no, I'm not going to liver king it. Although that guy is absolutely deezed, man. He's huge. Yeah, I mean, I saw a video too recently. He's like walking through a sled, like with a sled, no shirt on, and everything (laughs) like that through the middle of uh, Times Square in New York City. So I mean, (laughs) I don't know. It's ridiculous, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you there, a hundred percent. It's like you know, all these. uh, I I see a lot of Bitcoiners are like, all right, well, I'm gonna go dark and all this and that, and you know, at at the end of the day, I just don't think that's feasible. uh, At least from my perspective, it's like, well. You know, I'm I'm stacking Bitcoin here, and hopefully, um, maybe I buy other things like a rental property or something, or this podcast takes off, and you know, I could keep earning uh, earning Bitcoin and not have to work in the fiat world anymore. But uh, you know, we'll see. So, if anybody wants to sponsor this pod, or we're definitely looking. So available, available. <laughs> yeah, hit me up. <laughs> it's a one man show. I'm working hard out here. 
All right, so let's move on to the next story that I got for you. I don't know if you've seen this, uh, you know, up in the depths of Canada, but the United States released the the executive order on crypto. Um, So from my opinion here, it's basically a nothing burger. You know, uh, Biden signed an executive order to, to approach regulation of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. And essentially, you know, it just said that the purpose was to set a strategy to protect consumers, provide financial stability, assess national security, and address climate risks. So I know you love the ESG narrative and everything like that, but, uh, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's just, it was an executive order to set strategy. Like, what the hell does that even mean? So, um, like, as a Canadian who loves ESG, where's your perspective on that? I honestly don't know what to say about the e, the EO. I like I know people are talking on Twitter about how well it's going to grant legitimacy to the space and it's going to like increase the number of normies who come on board. If you don't think it's legit already, do you really think like the executive order from like Grandpa Joe is going to be the thing that puts you over the top? Am I dreaming that? Like am I the only one who thinks that you should already think it's okay? So if if it's not legit now, like that order is not going to do it. One. The ESG thing as an as an attack vector, I think, remains a more serious threat than some of the miners will let on. And that includes some of the miners we've had on our show uh, who, you know, as you guys have pointed out, seem to be getting their ducks in a row as far as the explanation for why they view ESG as a positive or an opportunity. I think they're being honest that they view it that way. But I think that they're, you know, they're, they're not looking at the right stuff because governments aren't in the, you know, in the business of like giving away you know, find, find, um, like monetary, uh, control. And so if they have an ESG angle to attack a miner with, or, or some other service provider, they're going to do it. And it's not going to be the first time that they use, you know, sort of an off the beaten path attack angle. This probably wouldn't even qualify as off the beaten path. I think it's pretty commonly understood to be an attack vector for, for Bitcoin. So I guess the question I have for you is what, what is the mood over there as far as the executive order in a place like Florida or Texas, I guess, would be even a better example where they're very clearly crypto friendly and they're very clearly anti-federal government. You know, what does what do those states care about an executive order? What, what's the mood like? You know, I mean, I think down here, it's just like the executive order was just nothing. It was it was a lot of hyped up and and people were we're kind of anticipating it thinking that, you know, I, I'm sure you saw on Bitcoin Twitter, everybody's get, get your Bitcoin off the exchanges. They were thinking that the worst was going to happen. Um, things were going to get more regulated, but I think it's just like too big of a market in the United States. Now too many people are working on it. There's so many jobs, you know, you got FTX arena at, at the Miami heat, you got crypto.com arena in the uh, state, formerly the Staples center for the Lakers. Like it's just too much ingrained in the, uh, American culture for them to like really shut it down. And you're seeing a lot of politicians and uh, states like kind of get involved into Bitcoin. You know, you see um, Illinois, Georgia trying to become mining friendly. Um, you know, obviously Texas, North Dakota, Florida, Tennessee, like a lot of these like Wyoming, a lot of these other states already becoming uh, Bitcoin friendly. Um, and uh yeah, I and think that, that that number is growing, is it not? Like that number is not oh, shrinking. That number is growing. 100%. Yeah, and every single politician is realizing, hey, you know, if I give an, a Bitcoin angle, you know, that could potentially get me more votes and it'll get you more popularity. And, you know, some Bitcoiners are eating that shit up. And me personally, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm more skeptical on it. I know we've uh, we've we've had that conversation, you know, in our spaces and things like that. But uh 
you know, I mean, at the same time, it's some of them are rehearsed and uh, some of them you can tell understand the Bitcoin ethos and others don't. You know, they they see that they promote the freedom of Bitcoin and everything like that. And then, um, you know, they go into uh, then they go into, uh, you know, the mask mandates and everything like that, too. So it just doesn't really fit uh, both sides of the coin. But, uh, you know, but hey, they're for Bitcoin. Uh, so vote for them. They, allegedly, they, these, right? these guys I mean, don't these guys don't know anything about it. Right. And like I look at I look at like Eric Adams in New York City. Best example of this, that this guy ran on a platform of Bitcoin friendly. We're going to make this a Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin friendly city, Bitcoin friendly administration. The guy gets elected. OK, in in what I would call like a landslide for a city like New York, you know, where there's a lot of strong candidates, he gets elected in a landslide. And what happens? He goes immediately to this position of, uh, well, I'm pro Bitcoin, but anti Bitcoin mining. That's how, like that's an immediate like, you know, one step forward, 30 steps back. This guy is a lost cause. And it's not surprising that in a um Man, I'll look for some diplomatic language here, just in case uh, you know this video. This video hits, but like it's it. There's a you know a certain ideology that's been prevalent in New York for a long time that has turned it into the hole that it's becoming. You see the same thing in places like San Francisco, of course, and and other you know blue cities. Um, whether you agree or disagree, I guess is up to you. But I would I would argue that you've seen that more and more in blue cities than you do in red. You know, you would like a guy like that, and again, Brandon, it tells you something about the people in the city. And so you can like or dislike, you know, Floridians, right? There's the Florida man meme, for example, that's been, you know, hot for years. I love that meme. Okay. It's true that there's a lot of people in Florida who are a little bit off, off kilter, off their rocker. But the fact of the matter is Florida also has a lot of people who seem to understand what's going on in other places, other jurisdictions and regions, and they don't want anything to do with it. And guess what? That Florida man meme is getting harder and harder to sell to the broader public because people want to go to Florida. Okay. AOC, great example. Oh, we got to have the, you know, the COVID measures. We got to come down hard. Florida's killing people. What the fuck is she doing on her vacation? She goes up there with her vegan boyfriend and dances it up at some club, no mask. And it's, it's just like an obvious, obvious grift from politicians like this. And the other thing I would just mention is how many, like, this is like, obviously a bit of a, uh, you know, it's, it's not an irrelevant point, but it's something to consider, you know, even just in jest. How many of those politicians voting on something like a crypto regulation? Okay. Think of Gensler and his look at the SEC. Think of Congress. You know, all these, all these guys, the White House, the West Wing. Like, how many of these guys have ever downloaded a song on LimeWire? How many have downloaded a song on iTunes? How many have torrented something? How many can send an e-transfer to somebody? I think you guys have a different name for that, but like send cash from your bank account to someone else's bank account via email. How many can do it? How many? The answer is probably close to none. It's close to none. You could, you could honestly pick a random sample of like 40 to 70 year olds or 50 to 70 year olds from the general population in America across, across political divides, regional divides, whatever, and get more people who knew how to do that stuff than you could with the same random sample of 50 to 70 year olds in elected office. That's a scary thing these days because all this stuff is coming so fast and coming downhill that it's, it's like the expanding universe, right? It's just too, it's happening too fast. You're never going to catch up now. So what's the plan for these guys, right? It's this, it's cricket hands. It's ripping up state of the union addresses. Good. I, you know, that's the bed you want to live in fine. But people like, you know, Florida, uh, Texas, you mentioned a bunch, Wyoming, Dakota, 
these guys want to get it right. And they see, I think also, I want to hear your thoughts on this because you're the American that I think they see also a chance to, you know, to, to get some blood in the water for people that have really, you know, rubbed them the wrong way for a long time. They haven't been able to do it. They haven't been in a position of power, but they are now. And uh, I think that's part of it too. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess on your points of, of the States, uh, you know, the blue and red cities and things like that, I think the American people have a whole, as a whole have been sort of voting with their legs um, recently, uh, especially with the outbreak of the COVID uh, pandemic. Um, you know, we've seen mass exodus from places like San Francisco, New York, coming down to Florida. And although the media and other people kind of portray Florida and all these places, you know, the Florida man meme and everything like that, they get a negative portrayal in the press. And some people actually believe it. You know, some of my friends in, in Austin, um, where I grew up, are telling me they won't come to Florida during the pandemic because of X, Y, and Z, you know, the their parents would look bad at them or, or um, you know, they don't want to catch COVID, even though Texas had similar regulations and laws as, as Florida, but Texas can do it right and Florida can't. Um, so, I mean, it's just, you know, the, like I said, it's like the negative press that people just end up believing. And it's like we were saying earlier, where they're going to believe this year over year um, inflation number where it's, uh, you know, uh, and the the press is going to blame it on uh, the Ukrainian war when at the end of the day it was before the Ukrainian war and and uh, it's it's the same kind of deal with that so they're going to just keep believing and uh, I guess keep going with the narrative that that Florida is like a shitty place which I mean I live here and I I love it so if you don't want to live here or come here then you can fuck right off so um, <laughs> so it's okay, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking some heat on twitter from a guy who i i follow and like he's, he listens to our show it's about this this homesteading thing i'm not saying that every bitcoiner is larping but i'm saying like 75 percent of bitcoiners are really larping about this living off the off the land thing and buying acreage i cannot do it i'm never gonna do it i don't know if you're planning on doing it brandon but like yeah you're not I think I think that a lot of people can do it, but I think that more than you know, more than half or more than fifty or sixty percent, whatever the number is, on Bitcoin Twitter, who are like, "I'm going to buy acreage, I'm going to Citadel, I'm going to do this," you're not going to do it, and that's fine. It, you know, that's the sort of trendy thing. It's fine to be passionate about it, but don't kid yourself. Much the same way as you know, if you if you want to move to a state that you think you like more, you know, it may be more difficult than you're anticipating. Just be ready for that. Uh, maybe take that step first before you Citadel. I don't think, uh, you know, I can't raise a barn. Like I said, man, I don't, I don't know how to do that. So I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to be learning anytime soon either. Yeah. I mean, my family's from Chicago, man. I'm a city boy. I'm not going to go. Out. Yeah. I'm not going to go out and uh, go hunting, go hunting. I've been hunting like three times. I've been fishing, like fishing like two or three times fun to me. And I'm not, and I'm not going to be like going to the grocery store, being able to buy my stuff. And, uh, I can cook it all right, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I enjoy the city life. I enjoy being around people and, uh, <laughs> conversa conversating and things like, that. I really don't see my, really don't see my, maybe some other people will do it. I know, uh, my former co-host Dan couldn't hang in Florida. So, uh, <laughs> if you guys saw him like on day two or three at the Bitcoin and blockchain conference, he was hurting pretty bad because he just can't hang out here and hang out here. And so, uh, I mean, you know, some people are built for it and, uh, some people aren't. I'm obviously built different and uh, you know, <laughs> I think we're all good. But yeah, I mean, I, I, like, like we were saying, I think, uh, I think uh, people in the States are voting with their legs and, and, you know, going to places that are, that are more desirable and 
you know, at the end of the day, those states are, are generally more friendly to Bitcoin and uh, the Bitcoin ethos as, as far as I'm concerned. So um, I think that's going to continue. And I think, uh, you, you know, places like Florida and Texas and, you, you know, all the other states we were list, listing out earlier are just going to keep keeping an influx of people. And, you know, that's going to be good and bad, especially for the people that lives in those states, because, you know, those those places and these in those states are growing growing rapidly and uh you know hopefully uh you know the policies that they have now that that made them a desirable place to live kind of stay put um so that's the one thing that worries me is that is that you know people that move from one place to another don't don't really realize like the policies in this place uh that i moved (laughs) from were were kind of the reason why it became a shithole um but uh, yeah, so so hopefully people you know critically think just think just a little bit because I'm lacking. But uh, time will tell with that. <laughs> Gonna find out. <laughs> yeah. Well, now let's move. We'll we'll move away from the United States. United States. We'll go to a post not from. We'll go. We'll go to Europe. Um. So the city of Lugano, Lugano. Uh, it's a Swiss city. Has made made bit legal tender. Uh. So it wasn't just Bitcoin. They made Bitcoin tether tether. And then an LA stable coin, which is approximate value of one one hundredth hundredth of a strength. Uh, so they made it a live announcement. Uh, they called the city of Lugano Europe's Plan B, um, and they they the both of the city and the CEO the CEO of Tether went up there, and they raved about the raved about the Invel Salvador and uh, President Bukele over there, or uh, Big Balls Bukele as we call them here on this podcast. <laughs> Um, um, how he's like been a great, you know, great, you know, mentor to them. The benefits, uh, they've, uh, they've, seen, uh, El Salvador grow at a rapid rate. Uh, you know, even making like a, a vet, uh, animal hospital and and things like that because of uh, the adoption of Bitcoin. Um, what do you think? I mean, it's just one. It's just onesie. Uh, but do you kind of see this trend to, um, kind of start to increase, or um, you know, is this just kind of a one-off thing in your opinion? I think it's one off and I hate to say that because I, I think it's a, you know, potentially again, like the, the snowball is rolling downhill. The question is how big the snowball can get with stuff like this. I don't know much about Logano. I do know that Europe is much more collectivist in its approach to monetary policy than somewhere like the United States is obviously clearly these days. Um, and, and so I guess I'll, I'll kick it back to you. What, you know, what, makes you think this is like a super bullish story because if if you think it's super bullish you must think that there's potential for this to spread to you know other regions nearby at the same time when europe is basically under more stress than it's been in the last you know what's the number 50 years something like that right you got a, a like i said a land war with a nuclear power now on continental europe um what what do you what do you think the the issue is like is that is that like a thing that's going to spread or is it just going to halt with Logano? Also, like, why why can't we get like a major sort of metropolis city? Like, we have to get Logano. Why can't we get like you know a, another city? I don't know. I don't know any European cities. Obviously, I got in a little too far there. So yeah. Well, uh, no, I think uh, I think well, Logano is like known as being like a big tech tech friendly friendly city um they're basically doing it to attract to attract business attract startups and things like things like that um and so that's this is kind of their first step step uh so i do think it's maybe like a first step um i could send like you know down the road down the road eventually uh you know you know uh 
Oh man, Dan says we're getting a bad echo. So hopefully we're not. We're, it's, we're there's not, getting... not. It's not an echo. It's it's. I think I don't know if my voice is skipping too. Your voice is skipping a little bit. Damn that internet con- internet connection. <laughs> oh, the low budget operation here. But uh, I guess we'll keep roll- ripping and rolling. And hopefully it comes out good. It comes out good at the end. But yeah, I mean, Logano's been Logano's been a uh, tech friendly city. They're doing it. They're doing it to do. Um, you know, attract businesses, attract startups and, and things like that. And I think, you know, once it's similar to the El Salvador situation, right? So, right. So El Salvador adopted Bitcoin as legal, as legal tender, seeing other Latin American countries like Mexico, Brazil, uh, Argentina start to get involved into the Bitcoin space. And I think that that's just a matter of time in Europe. Uh, they'll see the success, the success on Logano and then, and then, you know, um, you know, more cities will adopt it or more countries. Maybe, you know, it's, it's going to be smaller set, uh, definitely first. And then, you know, the larger cities will kind of follow suit because suit because these have the, mo- the, you know, the most to lose, in my opinion. So it's kind of similar to, uh, you know, like how I view countries adopting it. Yeah, El Salvador is a very small third world country, you yeah. know, with uh, it's impoverished. Like, what do they have to lose to do it? You know, they have... Uh, they're being run by the by the United States government uh, or the United States Fed um, with their currency, and uh, you know have no control over it or anything like that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's the same way with the city. They're going to test it out, and if it were well, then uh, you know, we'll more and more of these cities kind of adopt. So, I I don't think it's like a nothing burger. I think it's like a small story. Um, but, uh, you know, it's kind of other than, other than like the CPI, uh, the executive order in the United, United States, I think it was kind of a, a slower news week in my, in my opinion. Don't, don't you think that the reason El Salvador works so well is because there's like a nice mix and I, I'm going to pump my own bag here a little bit. Like we had Jaime Garcia on, who's a Canadian who does a lot of work with the El Salvadorian, uh, Bitcoin community. And we, we posited to him that the reason it works so well is because there's sort of a young uh, and young and not hopeless, but looking for change population over there. And on top of that, there's obvious currency weakness, right? You got you got basically uh, a, a currency that's on the decline and a country that's on the decline. And so Bitcoin there has a better chance of taking hold than it does in a place, you know, that's, you know, if not in the, if not in the eurozone, probably has a currency that's not, you know, hyperinflating away, right? And so I just wonder if it's going to stick uh, for them the same way it did for El Salvador. Maybe you're right, though. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, time, you know, time will it'll have to be, it'll be based on like the success of this city, uh, the success of Bitcoin, uh, Tether. And, you know, I think like, you know, I think like they have like a lot of the CEO of Tether's, Tether's, uh, you know, they're pouring a bunch of money, there's money, they're having a fundraise too for, um, you know, startups specifically around the, uh, you know, crypto space there as well. And I think that they're hosting, um, you know, a big, you know, a big, maybe it's a world Bitcoin coin. Yeah. So um, a lot of people are going to be start coming there, are going to start coming there. And uh, I think it's just like, you know, it, it's more of like a publicity thing too, at the, at the end of the day, because El Salvador, Salvador for, for what it's worth, although, you know, I think, Bitcoin has helped them. I think it's also given them a lot more publicity and people have gone out and, uh, you know, I think their, um, you know, industry, industry, travel industry and everything like that has increased as well, too. So a lot of people in the Bitcoin space space have been coming down there and things like that. So um, I think 
there's it's like you know two sides of it there's uh you know the benefits of implementing the currency and then there's also the benefits of the publicity too too so um i think it's just kind of, kind of like a matter of time until more of these places see, see that hey if we become an early adopter more and more of these bitcoiners uh you know whether you see it as like a culture what come in and visit the, the, this place so yeah. Uh, are, we, are we going to El Salvador next year? Once my Achilles heals, I'm going on all manner of trips to all manner of countries. I got yeah, to start, start going. I got to start going. I'm for sure. I uh, I, I actually got to renew my sport. I, I realized that it's, that it's uh, firing like in the next like month or so. so and uh, <laughs> that's been great. So it's got to. I don't know. Maybe I, I have to get a, have to get a jab or two or something new. <laughs> there goes all the advertising reps. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll bleep that out <laughs> but all right the next so we got um um you know i i kind of i went a little european heavy and heavy on the end here um but there's 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 two things that i kind of wanted to highlight um one is about x ftx cx so i kind of brought that here about the miami heat miami heat sponsor stadium there uh, the main main sponsor would be, which actually just uh, announced their deal today. So there's actually going to be baseball this year, and it's a big baseball guy, big Cubs fan, uh, and uh, I'm excited. But uh, FTX, FTX is now going to go in Europe, uh, um, and so I think that's big as one of the bigger exchanges here in the United States. Um, but on the flip side of things, uh, uh, crypto exchange have been forced to block to block Russian users. So like. Like we were saying earlier, it's like the the Bitcoin ethos is more like freedom money and things like that. Um, you know, transactions no matter where you are, um, not really blocking any blocking anything, and kind of having uh, uh, we're kind of having the opposite effect in Russia and uh, the the negative effects of uh, you know a, a country almost being canceled at this point um, out there. So um, although the Russian people Russian people didn't necessarily go to war with uh with ukraine it was more so you know their their ruler and everything like that uh forcing it the run people are kind of suffering from it so um first what do you think ftx being launched in europe and then the crypto exchanges kind of being uh forced to block all, all russians out, out there ftx i don't care about really they're like uh whatever great great platform you know fine they they got some stadiums they got some i think they're well, they sponsoring the umpires or something i forget what uh yeah they have it on the what, umpires what? Like chest yeah so they got that okay. fine i care way more though about the russian crypto exchange accounts being censored and i i really I, like i i haven't really had time to like formulate my thoughts about this in any coherent way, but I do feel strongly about it because that's a country that really needs, I think, the the, the opportunities that Bitcoin and crypto present uh, at the current moment. And how, you know, I'm curious. Coinbase, um, you know, Coinbase, for example, has been in the news the last couple of days on on BT because these guys are saying that they now want three months of financial records and three months of tax or, you know, like a tax return and stuff. Like where'd you get your money from before you start buying Bitcoin and other coins? And, you know, I, I have a hard time reconciling that level of user KYC um, just starting to them knowing through some unknown, you know, less than transparent means 
which Russian accounts they need to block because of suspicious activity. You know, how, how do they know these things? Um, and, and should they be being more transparent about this? I don't know. Uh, the other thing I would, I would note is that, you know, over the course of history, the, the, I can't think of a single time that a censor acted quickly and with the political winds of the moment and was viewed later as, you know, a, a positive influence on the situation. Uh, I can think of many times where they weren't positive influences on a situation. And uh, this is, you know, shaping up in my view to be another example of a, a, a misfire. I guess the other thing to note is wh why, you know, why now is it a problem? If you're just censoring Russian citizens anyway, they're not, you know, most Russian citizens are not doing anything differently than they were three weeks ago. They're living in Russia under an oppressive rule. You know, why, why did you wait till now to do this? And it's not just Coinbase, right? Like you're, you're seeing this in a lot of other places, including in Canada. I think in Montreal today, uh, there's a, a, a prodigy piano player, young young man in Montreal of Russian descent, who was removed from his... I don't know what you call it is his, his orchestral troupe or something. I don't, I don't know what you would call that, like get, gathering of uh, musicians. But the guy was removed for for no reason. And I just think, like, well, you know, if we're doing this now, why did we wait? It's these people aren't doing anything differently, and they're they're like I said, they're, they're at the, they're at the mercy of this guy who's, you know, dictatorial in the in the worst sense of the word. So I I don't like this at all. I have a real problem with this. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. And and I think a lot of these exchanges too, just too are going to start how much they could push the bound boundaries of AYC status. Um, you know, I was at a Bitcoin meetup up at, at one point in, in, in an undisclosed city. Um, and uh, one of the guys up guys up there was like, I think there's a difference between KYC for certain companies where KYC, you get your data and, uh, and other companies do it to, you know, just because it's simply they have to. Mm -hmm. right and so i um you know, you know i don't want to come up here and trash coinbase because i think i think it a lot of people get into bitcoin and get into crypto which kind of you know eventually will probably lead them to bitcoin coin but today i think uh, a, a giant company that has to focus on focus on and uh you know satisfy their um you know their investors and things like that so they're going to need to get more get more data and you know once they can get more get more data they can sell that data or use or use it to uh, figure out how that they can you know either target you or get you to put more money on the platform etc platform etc etc so, um you know i you know i think uh a lot of these companies companies are you know you're going to start to see it and then um you know there there's also i think some external pressure from governments and SEC and uh, you know other regular you know, other regulatory body uh, they're gonna start be start being like, does this money come from for this person and things like that and then they're gonna start shutting it off so um, you know I'm really disappointed to see them torturing and uh, you know uh, making the Russian people's Russian people's kind of cutting them out when really it's it's yeah they didn't do anything right I mean you know, just like you said it's the dictator that decided to do this and uh, you know, you're even seeing people in Canada and other places like your places like it's I'm sure that there's some, you know, a little bit of tension towards towards Russian people as well down here. Um, and so it, it's really disappointing. But at the end of the day, it's like, what did what did an average Russian citizen do? Probably nothing. So nothing. they're uh, getting the short end of the stick 
for for sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the Bitcoin ethos and anything like that is just to you know let people you know conduct their way as they will. And uh, this is definitely not that. Um, I'm not, that. Yeah, I'm definitely not about censorship. You know, the last uh, my last former co-host was definitely all about censorship <laughs> and everything like that. So that's why he's not here anymore. anymore. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it happens. It happens to of us. And obviously, not not to me because dog and uh, my former co-host is a puppy. But uh, you know, um, so here we are with uh, the exchanges changes blocking. You're on. You're on. Uh, I, like this is the second. I think uh, I was listening to State of the Coin or maybe the Sunday Scaries. You're you're like in the sort of P Diddy uh, post J Lo era where like every song is pretty good, like it's a good tune, but there's always like a little bit of like I miss J Lo in there. That might be where you are right now with your former I don't, co-host. I don't, I don't miss I don't miss him <laughs> at all. I'm a one one man show here, all right? I'm doing better than I ever did. I mean, check the content I'm putting out. I think I'm pretty sure Puffy used to say that too. I'm better now <laughs> than I've ever been. I'm better than I ever than I ever did. I've ever been. He's still here. All right. He's still here. But yeah, all right. Let's move on to the last the last two stories though. It's kind of along the along the same line in Europe. Um, um so Dubai and, and Iran are kind of creating some regulations so um surrounding Bitcoin and crypto. So Dubai Dubai kind of made you know it's you know, it's first like crypto regulations. Um, um, something like a, they originally had a summit, um, kind of like Lugana's, Lugano's doing, uh, for venture capitalists to finance startups in January of this year, of this year, and now they've passed a, a Dubai virtual asset regulation law. And it's basically to create like legal framework to like similar to what the executive order, um, by the United States said to protect investors and pr- provide international, international visit. Virtual asset industry governance uh, that will promote business growth, and and uh, you know there's a few other things in there, um, and you know at the end of the day that they're they're um, you know businesses if they go about this and they find out that something sketchy is going on or anything, or anything like that they can find them and then they can revoke their business laws and or their business license and things like that. So, um, what do you think about uh, about all this in Dubai? I don't know. I just kind of ran through a few things here, here, and I don't know if you've even you're even aware of this story uh, as you're just up in that Arctic tundra where you live. <laughs> I had no idea about the story, but I'll tell you a couple things I think because uh, that's what I'm here for. So, uh, Dubai, you know, when when they're talking about their their you know whatever their process is akin to an executive order, as you mentioned there to give some, some regulatory framework around digital assets to grow business. You know, if, if they decide that Bitcoin is a good thing for their people in their country, do you think that they're going to tell their miners that they have to use 50% renewables to secure the network and get as many coins as they possibly can? Or do you think that they're not going to say that? What's your guess? What's your guess? Um, I'm not, I don't, I'm not, just... It's a tough, it's a yeah, tough, you know, you know what the answer is. The answer is they're not going to tell them to use renewables. They're going to figure out yeah. as you know, the sharks are circling the U S dollar now. Okay. We've seen this already. There's this other axis of payments now between China, Russia, and India. These guys are, you know, allegedly anyway, if you, you know, again, I don't know what to believe that what I see on Twitter from the blue check mafia, but the, there's, there's a clear pattern of behavior here from the OPEC nations. And the pattern of behavior is, 
Vavangul. I'm not taking your calls. Okay. We're not talking about oil. We're not talking about output. We're not talking about shit. I'm dismembering your journalists. Go back to your, your house and don't come see me again until you got something that can help me line my pockets and feather my nest. That's where these guys are. Okay. If they decide Bitcoin's going to hit and they want to have some piece of that, there's going to be no question about how they're mining it. They're not going to say, well, we got to build, build wind turbines and, uh, you know, find, find the, um, you know, the, 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 the Dubai Greta to dictate energy policy to us. It ain't happening, man. You know, these guys take it, these guys take winning seriously. And there's cost to that, of course, if you're a citizen, but as a country that's like, you know, crippled by democracies, um, you know, democracy's worst features. Uh, if, if you're an American Bitcoiner, this should be concerning to you, I think. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I mean, it, more and more of these countries are starting to put regulations on there. And I think like as far as regulations go, they're, they're really, you know, a good thing. Um, they're going to be governments trying to negatively portray Bitcoin, negatively portray crypto, whatever you want to call it. it um, and they try to poke holes in all the arguments. Uh, you know, one of the first things that Dan and I did when we started our newsletter was debunk a bunch of FUD. Uh, related to Bitcoin and a lot of the stuff that we went through are are, are stuff that we're seeing now. Uh, you know, you know, we went through like energy fud. Like, will it, the government be able to stop it? Things like that. Like that. It's sort of a never-ending cycle with Bitcoin. You know, so I think it's just a another another thing where we're going through G fud right now, and and people might concerned about it. Because they, you know, they're buying into this whole like global warming thing and and everything like that, and. Uh, you know, whatever whatever you want to believe on, is obviously Bitcoin promotes energy. If you've listened to any any intelligence and talk about Bitcoin and any knowledgeable person about it, like Jack Dorsey or Michael Saylor or anything, that they'll convince you within one second one second that this ESG shouldn't matter because as it using renewable energy and energy and finding these reliable sources. And you know, you know, a lot of companies too that. Like Great American Mining Company, and I'm sure a lot of these other, you know, mine, you know, mining companies in Canada places too. They use like they use like flare ass from you know from uh, oil rigs and stuff like that. So energy that's being wasted is now being used to mine Bitcoin, and all these and all these things they just benefit benef beneficial in the end. And so, so I think uh, at the end of the day, all these regulations uh, just kind of give me a headache, and uh, I I just kind of like rub them off and go on to the, and go on to the next one. But speaking of the next, speaking of the next one, uh, Iran, uh, uh, I, it's kind of good, kind of bad. Um, they they banned Bitcoin mining for the past four months, but now they're um, allowing uh, Bitcoin uh, Bitcoin mining and mining for that matter. Uh, 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 the ban was due to blackouts that began in December after more than 600 megawatts of energy was being used by illegal mining operations. Uh, so now that they're requiring um, um, get some mining licenses in order to do that and that they will require farms to operate with renewable energy sources. So kind of like along the the same lines, it's uh, these countries kind of put kind of putting on uh you know, Bitcoin and, and crypto mining because it's putting a little bit extra strain on the grid. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, they're getting back to you know, mining. They're opening it it back up. They didn't ban it completely like China did. Um, so I think, uh, like you like you were saying before, like a lot of these trees are realizing, hey, like you know, it's a big market. What are we gonna do? We're gonna just just kick it out of here. Like we can't afford to do that.
you know, at the end of the day. They so, can't. They can't. Yeah. And like Iran, this is another point that uh, Jaime uh, Garcia brought up to us yesterday when we talked to him. It, you know, there's a huge Muslim community on this planet, and I understand there's some discussion uh, in that community about whether Bitcoin is halal or haram. And so if Iran is allowing it, can we fairly say then that the Bitcoin ecosystem and the token itself is is halal? I think we, we might be able to. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't see why not. Very strict Muslim country, right? Like like famously, you know, regressive, uh, taking all the all the sort of uh, ancient texts to heart, as far as I understand it. So you know, if they if they're allowing it, uh, we can, we can get like a two billion person boost in the network uh, with all those DCAers coming from the Muslim community. That's one thing to take from this. Other thing, do you really think Iran has a power grid that, you know, allows for them to say, you know, you have to use renewable energy to mine your Bitcoin? I, I, I very much doubt it. I think that's, you know, a, a sort of a sneaky third world nation, unfortunately. So I doubt very much that they have the, the capacity there on the green side of their, their infrastructure build to say, yeah, you can mine Bitcoin for sure, but you just can't mine it with, you know, the, our, our, our base load grid. You have, to, you have to find some other way. I, I doubt that's the case. They may say that, but I doubt that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you there, too. I mean, we, we saw things like in the States, too. We had uh, Texas, uh, who's very, very Bitcoin friendly, have their grid shut down and shut down because of inclement weather and weather and, you know, a lot colder temperatures than they're used to uh, this past year. So, um and at the end of the day, they're like, hey, you know, I, th I think they actually used Bitcoin mining to kind of help to get the grid back on grid back on uh, and warm everything up, too. So, um, you know, it, it's it's the FUD that we've been seeing for a while. Um, it just is become more and more mainstream now because, uh, you know, Bitcoin's becoming more mainstream. So, um, you know, it's just another you know flash in the pan, I think, I think in, in my opinion, and just. Um, more and more of these countries figuring out, like, okay, this is this market is not going away. We can't ignore it right now, so we either have to regulate it or we get left behind. And uh, it's got it's, it's kind of unfortunate, but it's been operating long on its own without any any sort of relation that and is doing just fine in my opinion. But uh, yeah. you know, we've also seen like you know some of these companies too try to try to profit off of it off of it with. Uh, you know some of this shit shit coinery that we got going too so i don't know maybe maybe they're talking about it, it protecting the investor and maybe they they say to get get rid of all the shit coins who knows what is actually gonna happen gonna happen but uh, you know, at the end of the end of the day like i said before i just don't really you know you know trust petitions or trust trust all this stuff that is that's going on you know I, we were talking about it in the earlier story where a lot of these politicians are are you know, telling you what you want to hear and uh, and uh you know, it's almost mainstream now, and you can you can kind of dice a little bit more on Twitter. But I think, you know, back to you know our parents' generation and everything like that. I think the general consensus was like was like politicians lie, but you can't can't really poke as many holes because not everything is a thing is as public. There's not as much access to information, and um, you know, there's not a camera in somebody's face twenty four seven three sixty five, and and so now that information's out there, and this from this information spreading rapidly, um. um you know, I think the adoption is is kind of uh, coming a little quicker than I thought, in, in my opinion. And so, um, because of that, I think uh, you know, you know, politicians are cut to it, and they're just, 
they just have to regulate more. So um, for better or for worse, it's kind of happening at least over in Europe. So starting, man, it's starting here. It's starting there. You know, I heard uh, Pish talking to uh, crypto mags today and uh, there's some thought that, you know, as far as sort of regulatory hurdles and regulatory capture in America, that grayscale is gearing up to take the sec to court over the spot ETF. So, you know, that's the, the, the companies and the funds and the investors that want this thing are eventually beginning, beginning to become too numerous, right? Like the dam's going to break at some point. The question is, will, uh, will the hodlers, you know, m- make it through that next three X or four X price move? So I, I think that's coming, um, you know, this year, or next year. Well, we'll see. I'm ready either way. I'm not, I'm not selling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Me neither. And I think like even too that when the grayscale futures ETF, it was the largest debut of any ETF ever. So, I mean, obviously investors are ready for it. Um, you know, in, in countries we have just as many investors on, um, you know, exchanges like Coinbase and, and other things like that. I, I know I did a, you know, I, I did a piece at, at BTC Times where I was looking into the amount of people in Brazil uh, who invest in the Brazilian stock market up to the crypto and, and, and uh, coin markets. And it was the yeah. exact same number of <laughs> people, how many people do that. And so, I mean, it's like, you know, the same, the same amount of people that are investing money there are, are realizing, realizing that it's open. And, and I, you know, the younger dem- demo, too, especially in the United States, all over this stuff. Um, you, I don't think you can go to somebody under probably the age of 40, age of 40 that isn't going to have some sort of opinion on crypt, crypto or Bitcoin. Um, and and uh, yeah, I'm sure it's the same way up in Canada as, as well. The demographics are in our favor. There's, there's uh, no one, there's no one who's going to move of any age. There's no one who's going to go from Bitcoin to gold as their store of value investment. But there are people who are going to go from gold to Bitcoin, and there are gold bugs who are going to die out and give way to, um, you know, the, the the generation that will buy Bitcoin as their their asset of choice. It's funny before uh, I don't know if we, is that the last story. Yeah, that's the last story. But I kind of had one more thought too. But uh, give, give it to me, and then give it to me, and then I want to talk about the rates because Liam is in the chat from our from our channel, and he's got a comment about rates, and I, I know you'll have something to say about this. Yeah, too. So yeah, for sure. Me with your last thought. Well, okay, so it was it was just kind of like we were talking about the the younger the younger demo, right? We're kind of, we're kind of having this tech um, as far as like as far as like globally, right? So we're having a rapid adoption of the internet, and then now computers, and now like digital, you know, cryptocurrencies and, and things like that. Um, and in the United in the United States, specific, I'm not sure how how it is, how it is, but you have to be a certain age in order to be the president of the United States. And you have to be, you know, have a certain amount of experience to, to get to these levels. And, and, you know, I think in the older times, uh, uh, it, was, it was good because, you know, everything was kind of the same and it, was, it wasn't moving quite as quickly as it is now. But now I feel very different about it. I think that, you know, it, it's definitely hindering the growth, the growth. And that's the reason why a lot of, uh, you know, these other countries like we're seeing Russia, China, catch up to the United States because we're, we're having these leaders like you know, Joe Biden, who's, you know, for all accounts, you know, he's, he's, he's very old. It's Grandpa Joe, right, is like one of his nicknames and things like that. And so if you were going to go and ask him what's an intelligent thing about Bitcoin, you know, he's not going to be able to give you a, a good answer because, you know, he doesn't 
have the bandwidth or, you know, he has too much other things to go on to sit down and really, really give it the time and the, you know, 10,000 hours, hours or whatever it is to let the technology. So um, I think, I mean, my opinion is uh, I think that, you know, we need to lower that as, as a country for the country for the United States. I'm not sure how it is in Canada, Canada, but I think, you know, it would be, it would benefit to to see not like a 25 year old or, or anything like that, but somebody a little bit younger that has at least like, you know, grew up, grew up in the internet, internet age. And, and, you know, it has all these kind of things to kind of, kind of understand, you know, what goes with all these things. So I'm curious to what you think about that. And, uh, yeah. And, 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 and I, um, what, what, uh, all the regular, the regulations are up in Canada. We, we don't have the same, like we don't have the same problem with the old leadership here. I think most of our, if I look across the pro- the provinces, um, most of the premiers are, you know, not so long in the tooth, not like Biden or Trump. Uh, I think Trudeau is 50, maybe something like that. So he was the same age maybe as, o- as Obama was when he was elected. I think Trudeau was uh, 44 when he was elected. He's been the prime minister for six years or so. So, you know, we don't have that problem, but I think the problem that most uh, liberal, like first world liberal democracy share is one of pr- sort of procedural latency where by the time, you know, they, they see an issue come to their, to the surface, right? Bitcoin, for example, you know, shows up three or four years ago, um, really goes mainstream and it becomes a political issue, a, a law issue, a legislation issue. And now here we are five years later and there's an executive order that says we have to start studying this stuff. The, the the thing is that the cat's already out of the bag. So you can't really steer the outcome here anymore. You either have to adapt or ban or something of that nature. It's very, it becomes very black and white. It becomes very binary because there's, there's no way now to harness this thing. The, the, the fire is out. The snowball is rolling downhill. Like I said before, I, I think that's a problem in liberal democracies. I don't know what the fix is for that. You know, I, I doubt very much that countries that are so, uh, proud of their traditions, Canada, the U.S., Britain, uh, other other European countries. Like, what what are the odds they abandon their parliamentary tradition in favor of actually trying to pass laws in a, a realistic time frame that that actually steer and harness the power of the things they're trying to get ahead of? It's never going to happen. And so, in the sovereign individual, they make this case too that no matter what governments do, the current sort of status and, and state of government action. Is is beyond repair. It's it's got to be torn down and rebuilt. And the the you know the the next question I guess you know even for the for the the doom scrollers and the the doom slingers is is it going to be torn down by the people or is it going to be torn down by governments for the people? In in either case, it's going to happen. Uh, Bitcoin's a great example of this. You know, separating the state from money is. I think, you know, really a, an arrow to the knee um, more than a lot of other things in the past have been. You know, there was Torrance and Napster and all these things. Those were those shook the foundation of some industries. But money is sacred for governments. And uh, this this thing is, you know, it, it's it's at the foundation of the castle with the forklift, right? Or a, a bulldozer starting to take chunks off and you know, the, by the time they figure it out. So Brandon, like if, if Biden loses in two years, is his predecessor or his, his successor, I should say, is he going to pick up the ball and run with it? Or because of the nature of politics, is he going to say, no matter what Biden said, it was wrong. We got to start again. And another four year cycle will begin. And then what? 
Like what, like where, where does it lead you? Right. Bitcoin is moving all the time. I think about the privacy developments, CoinJoin and, and uh, PayJoin and stuff like this. There's another one out now from uh, Chris Belcher. I can't remember the name of the implementation. Like how are they going to govern those things? They can't. Nancy Pelosi cannot do it. Chuck Schumer cannot do it. Uh, Mitch McConnell cannot do it. Yeah. You know, like you, you can't have this Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris, um, you know, on on a podium there she's vacuous she there's nothing behind what she's saying and people realize this you know if if you if the americans if the american political class and and sort of the first world liberal democratic political class want to know why people are willing to speculate in an unproven asset like bitcoin you know five years ago even now to some extent it's unproven if you want to know why the crisis in confidence is not necessarily with the money it's with the people you know, that's, that's a big issue for a lot of people my age and younger. And, uh, I, I don't see it changing anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Um, I just think it's interesting too, that you don't think that they're going to, going to change or anything like, because in the, the way we're, we're seeing it right now, at least in the United States is like, you know, the old ways aren't necessarily the ways that people want to go about things. Right. So we're seeing, seeing a lot of people with censorship where, where, you know, one of the, um, you know, things, things in the bill of rights is it's freedom of speech, freedom of press and everything like that. And, you know, you see a lot of people get canceled for saying things, things five, 10 ago that, you know, maybe it's a different tune now, but, uh, uh you know, they want to censor people or, or censor you because they have different belief or because they can't argue against their, against your point. Right. They, they realize that, realize that what they believe is, 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 not right you can't argue against what you're what you're saying so you know their solution is to to shut you up essentially um and then you know there's also the right to bear arms too but that we're too that we're seeing in the united states a lot of places it's places it's it's super to get a get a fire firearm and uh those are coincidentally the uh, the, uh, the most uh you know gun violent places in america too so so um you know but people don't really see that they really see that they they just guns are bad guns pill guiltful and uh you know it, it's just a lot of uh thinking that you know they're getting farther and farther away for away from the american american country or united states of america was founded founded on uh you know I, I i i don't think that it will change like anytime soon or anything like that or like that or radically but to your point that it's like it's like you know once to four years it's like it's like what can a president really do um, if anything drastic, because they don't, at the end of the day, they want to get reelected. Right. So, um, they want to make that term, not four years, but eight years, but eight years. And, and, uh, they either can, can screw it up really bad or sit and do, do things. Um, and we're kind of seeing, uh, seeing the, the former, I think, in my opinion, uh, right now. So, um, I, I don't know how much the predecessor can do. And I also think another big issue too in the United States is that it's a two-party system where yeah. it's like, you know, we get a lot of people where the last two elections, what the narrative was, it was, it was bad or worse. Um, and, uh, you know, I liked 45 as he was, but, uh, you know, I, I think like some, obviously he rubbed some people the wrong way with, uh, you know, the stuff he did on Twitter and, and other things like that. But, uh, you know, people just, I guess, just bought into the narrative of, uh, you know, how bad he was, was and everything like that. But the economy was booming and everything like that. Uh, prior, they, they thought it was time for a change. And, uh, 
you know, here we are. And so we'll, we'll probably see something similar in the election where it'll be, be, you know, Biden again, and it'll be like, like the narrative will be, um, they need to reelect him because uh, of all these things going on, and and it's bad to have change. Change, and I'm sure the other like the the other uh, person will change. Where um, you know probably seen that uh, that campaign slowed a few times. So can I can I see the writing on the wall? Right, the, yeah. the political the political uh, whims of a nation are you know they're they're. They're exactly that. They're they're whims, and uh, you know you gotta you gotta really be careful investing. You know, planning your life around these things. They're they're difficult in the best of times, and now are not the best of times. So, well, I mean, it's true. You know, I mean, I mean, when everybody kind of gets into their investing journey, whether it's stocks, uh, uh, real estate, whatever, they find the people that are the most are the most successful, right? So Warren Buffett was Buffett was one of the people that I found, and I, I kind of looked at. Um, when I first got into this and his thing was never really care about the macro. Cause if you look at, look at, uh, you know, good companies, they're going to, they're going to, you know, find in the long run run. I think, you know, we're getting to a point where it's like, you can't ignore the macro. You can't no. ignore these bigger things going on on because being the stock market, stock market in ways ever seen before and that like, you have to be, um, not only a hedge fund manager, but you also have to be knowledgeable in economics. You have to be knowledgeable on like governmental policies. All these, all these things that how can, you know, you know, you know and uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's kind of why I started all this content stuff because I was like, hey, I'm looking into, I'm looking into all this stuff myself to to figure it out for my own personal gain. So might as well, you know, share share else too. So. All right. Well, let's get into to the rates, the Canadian rate hike. Um, so, okay. Yeah. Liam is in the chat t- saying that uh, we, so obviously BOC raised a quarter point last week and uh, I'm of the opinion that this is not a legitimate rate. Like not, it's not that it's illegitimate, but it's not a rate hike that's going to fight inflation. Uh, we, we said on our show this week that a quarter point on a hundred thousand dollars on your mortgage, do you know how much that is per month per hundred thousand? Um, I'm uh, no, no, tell me 12 bucks. Do you have, do you have 30 a uh, year, like fixed mortgages and uh, we, we, you get 20, you get 25 year fixed or, or five, right. you know, whatever, or you, no, you don't, you, you generally don't get 25 year, you get five year fixed or three year, four year fixed or variable and the rate changes and whatever. There's like a risk there you take if you go variable. But the, the point is that this is not going to slow down the housing market, uh, prices. This is not going to slow down inflation. It's not going to slow down people who are overextending to buy homes and overextending to buy cars and other um, retail debt. I don't know what this is. And we speculated on on this week's show that this is just some. it's a bullet to put back in the chamber so that in six months when they have to fire again and lower the rates, they have something to do it with. And uh, I, I'm going to stick by that. I really don't think we're going to see another rate hike, maybe one more quarter point. Um, but with the land, like with the war in Europe now, like land wars are not wars friendly are not environments for rate hikes, and uh, uh, I, I just I don't view it as uh, as a potential outcome at all. I, and I think it's like just you know saving face more than anything. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Um, I, I feel the same. The United States were there to, to hike the rate in, in a week or so that they that they announced. Um, so you know, if the United States kind of follows suits of the Bank of Canada and raises it twenty five bips. 
I think that I think that is gonna affect the stock market market and bring it down. And uh, I think you know, I think, you know, both Dan and I have kind of spoke about this that it's a, a midterm election here in the United States, so a midterm tank of the stock market might market might you know sway voters one one way. Um, and because of that, of that they'll re bring the the race back down to zero. Um, and then you know the stock market will be as inflated as it is now. So. Um, I, I, I tend to agree, you know, all these rate hikes, hikes more for saving face opposed to, uh, you know, necessarily for, for the good of the people. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't get up to a substantial number. And also the, the inverse of the wealth effect will really, like you mentioned, uh, wreak havoc on election cycles, because if people feel poor, they're going to cut discretionary spending, which is going to cut, you know, growth in, in the economy. And you get into this negative feedback loop where you need to lower rates again anyway. So why? Like, it's, it's really like, these are, I mean, I'm talking like, I know what I'm talking about. These are unprecedented times. The best economists in the world don't have any idea what's coming next. We've never been here before. Uh, so I'm just like, man, I, maybe, maybe it's a good place to wrap it. I'm just buying Bitcoin. I'm buying Bitcoin as much as I've ever bought. And I have no fear that in five years, 10 years, it's going to be some of the best money I've ever spent. Uh, I, and uh, I agree on, on the point of it. All right. So. And on that note, I am Brandon, uh, the host of the Green Candle uh, podcast, or the state of the state of the Bitcoin podcast. Uh, I run the Green Candle Candle account at Green Candle. IP. We got the state of the Bitcoin coin podcast. The uh, Twitter uh, Twitter Spaces I would do with Joey. So if you follow me on Twitter, uh, you know, four thirty to thirty p.m. Eastern every Friday, uh, Joey's there, and uh, we got the news the newsletter at Green Candle Investments. Dotsup.com. Uh, just follow me on Twitter. You'll see everything else we got <laughs> on. And then, and then, uh, yeah, Joey, Canadian Bitcoin Bitcoiners podcast, more underrated podcast podcast out there. If you haven't heard it yet, you should hear hear it. And, uh, yeah, Joey, what do you got for us? Final words. Let, let me show you how to do a sign off with the content. Uh, Canadian Bitcoiners <laughs> podcast. We stream Monday nights, Wednesday nights. You can catch me Friday spaces and uh, follow me at Twitter. Joey tweets three E's in the tweets. Thanks for having me on. See how quick that was. <laughs> there you go. There's a pro. there's a pro you can't coach. As it comes from years of practice. Practice. Well, Joey, thank you so thank you so much here, and uh, that's a wrap. Everybody in the chat, I appreciate it. We're out. God bless. <laughs>